everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Roots Podcast. I am your host, Sean Pitcher. Today's guest we have on is Jacob Bahara. He's a human performance data scientist um, with previous stops at Exos, University of Kansas, KC Royals, and the Houston Astros. Um, again, he has a variety of different experiences in the strength and conditioning space. But over the last three to four years, he has made his way into the sports science realm, specifically in the military sector, um, which I think is very interesting, uh, first and foremost, because that area is blowing up when it comes to strength conditioning, dietitian, and also data scientists. But Jacob, welcome. Appreciate you for coming on. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. So thanks, Sean. I know we kind of go back a little ways, but uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this. It's been a little bit of time. I know he's been kind of transitioning and doing some different things now, but we finally got locked down and we're going to get going today. But uh, first question, like I ask everybody, who is Jacob? Oh, man. So uh, I'm going to go into my background a little bit. I, I hate this part of the podcast because uh, <laughs> I feel like everybody hates to hear about other people's background, but uh, I'm going to try to be quick and go over like kind of the challenges that I had going through. But uh, so um Grew up playing all kinds of sports, baseball, basketball, football, um, played baseball in high school, was not a good athlete, so uh, didn't go to college and play sports, um, actually didn't uh, didn't start college, so I was about 23, so I worked uh, worked my way uh, at Lowe's, Home Depot, stuff like that, and uh, my parents never told me to go to college, so I kind of had to figure it out on my own. I was like, I'm tired of making $8 an hour the rest of my life, and this was back in 2005. So, um, ended up getting into college, was really inter interested in nutrition, um, got my bachelor's in dietetics and exercise from Oklahoma state, um, ended up not enjoying a lot of the clinical classes. So ended up going to, uh, my exercise teachers and tell them, Hey, I want to be a strength coach. What do I need to do to, uh, to work my way into the college setting? Um, started interning at Oklahoma state university and then was there for a year during grad school. Um, then I went to South Alabama, interned there, and then I went, my first job was at Stetson University, which is a small D1 school in Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, then I'll kind of zoom through my stuff from then on. Uh, so we went from Stetson to the private sector, to KU, to the Astros, to the Royals, to uh, back to KU, to Exos, and then to Air Force Special Warfare, and then to the job I have now with the Army. So um, that's kind of my background. Um uh, and uh, I'm really glad I got on the tech side and the data side because I was kind of like, I was kind of floundering in SNC and I wasn't really enjoying it. And then I got into, I don't really consider it sports science because I'm not a worker in athletics. And I know a lot of people say that and it's kind of annoying. Um, if you do not work in athletics or uh, in sports, you're not a sports scientist. Um, so I know people, a lot of people probably get mad about me saying that, but that's just the case. So. So data scientists. So if I said, I don't want to say sports at all today. Yeah. So you are the data scientist for where you're at. <laughs> no, sports science is fine. I just don't consider okay. myself a sports scientist. I get a lot of work. So I think the key thing to take away from what you just said was, I mean, most people in athletics don't have a traditional path, right? Yeah. There's going to be, a, you know, I tell my athletes all the time, right? Like they want to get from point A to point B and they want to get there in a month. Right. But that's not going to be a straight linear line to get from point A to point B. There's going to be some ups and downs. And it's, it's what can you do when you're in those situations? Like you said, you're like you're at lows, right? You didn't obviously get to college until, until a little bit later in life, just because you didn't probably have the background environment or structure where your parents didn't really promote that. So you had to find your way and you had to find what was going to be your step. And you weren't 
happy with your situation. So you, you did something about it, which I think is, is awesome. Um, and I want to touch on obviously strength and conditioning. How do you feel formerly being a strength and conditioning coach? How has that helped you transition into the sports science, data science realm? Like, has it better prepared you? Did you get into data science and sports science and not really know what to do? And you had a lot of learn, learn a lot of the stuff on your own. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, so everything I've done in the past has helped me transition into a data scientist. And I, I wouldn't consider myself a traditional data scientist. My background is obviously my bachelor's in dietetics. So just like you, like, I mean, I have always like been able to connect with, with dietitians. Mm-hmm. Like that's just like something I, I was always interested in. And the same thing with strength coaches. Like I can, I can basically speak to any SME, PT, OT, dietitian, psychologist, like, cause sleep is also one of my big passions. Um, strength coaches, like I can speak to all these and that's the reason I'm in the position I am now because I can, I can talk the language. I can speak to people. Um, the data science stuff is something I always continue to learn, but, uh, that's kind of, yeah. To answer your question, that's kind of the answer. Yeah. And I, I can definitely agree with that. You know, myself also having a strength and conditioning background, it just makes the conversation way easier when you can speak the language that they're speaking versus going into something not understanding even the basics and then you're trying to have a conversation they're just looking at you like ah this this guy or this guy has 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 no clue <laughs> which can be an embarrassing moment at times but definitely when you're able to you know spread your wings and be open and, and go out and get that experience in those different kinds of situations I think definitely can put you a leg up and it's, it almost kind of makes you a unicorn in a sense, right? Like the more experience or background you have in multiple different things, um, you know, not everybody has like in your case or my case has like a dual or triple background and all those different experiences where they can be able to, to communicate amongst all those different staff. It's, it's not always the easiest thing at times, but but going into that, you know, talking about the military, um, you know, one of the things I know you've mentioned to me in the past is like building relationships for you is really important before data or science comes. Can you kind of explain that philosophy and what you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just, I can just talk about what I'm doing here with the army. So um, I have a, like 10 units that I work with. Uh, so I'm not at a specific unit. I'm more at a, a higher echelon level. And that's not to say like an ego thing. That's just like, kind of like I support the people below me. Um, and so, um, sorry, what was the question again? I apologize. So how do you, one of the things you've mentioned to me is oh, you like relationship. to build relationships first. Right. And before you build the relationships, right? Like that, that part is super important before you can start your data analytics or science or introducing technology. Can you kind of explain why you feel that way or why you like to do the relationship part first before the science part? Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. So yeah, I want to build because me trying to come up with the problems that people are having doesn't help anybody. I have to first get people like understand the context of the situation. That's what I'm huge about. Like context is God to me without context. I cannot solve any problems. Um, And also like, I do that through developing those relationships. So just being around the people. So I work with, I have a, I have a couple, I have a lot of units that I work with that are all over the United States. And then I have a couple that are here um, at Fort Bragg where I'm at. But uh, so I try to get over there as much as possible and reach out to those people and say, Hey, what can I do to help you? And, uh, 
and then like the people that are right down the street from me, I go over there and just BS with them, the strength coaches, um, because that's where I work out at. So I kind of built that relationship <laughs> in that certain space and, uh, they're great over there. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry. I can't really talk about what I, what I do, um, specifically, but, uh, just it's with the army. So, um, yeah, so I go over there to develop relationships. I've also go to our, to our, one of our sustainment, um, brigades and, and help out with them. And then obviously some other, other units that I work with, but, um, yeah, just go in there and just have conversation and, and find out what, what I can do to help them. That is, that's the biggest key to, uh, to making an impact. And a lot of people, like everybody knows data is king. Now everybody knows that they, they want, they, people above them are asking for data. So they need to be able to provide that. And my goal is to help them what analyze, like collect the data, help them, help them like figure out the, the most efficient way to collect the data without the least impact on the soldier. Mm-hmm. And then obviously analyze the data, show them kind of, and then we kind of get together and figure, figure out what that means and then visualize it in case they want to be able to present that to the leadership at their level. So, you know, just being around them is, is the biggest thing. And just, and just going to like Thursday, I'm going to, I'm getting up early and going to watch a, uh, a bunch of surveys take place. And, um, you know, do I want to get up early? No, but it's like, it's important for me to be able to develop those relationships and show them that I want to be there and I care about them. So. And, and from what I've seen kind of from the external end and, and kind of what you're saying, it seems like there's more of a shift from those that are in the higher positions to include a lot of these support staff in the data side. But are, are you also still doing with the opposition, which we've probably seen from, you know, special forces or, or the military, you have a lot of those old hats that still think in that old mindset, you know, how, how do you deal with, with those individuals that may not be very privy to technology and science and, and all these data and numbers and want to just do it how it used to be done? Um, so that was the case in the air force. Um, uh, when I first got to the air force, I was at a 351st, which is the, where the pararescue PJs or uh, combat rescue officers are trained. And, uh, that's how it was when I first got there. So I like built the tech program out there. And, uh, then I went and took a job at the special warfare candidate course, which is like the preparatory course before assessment and selection, but both of those places, a lot of pushback mm-hmm. in technology and data. And that's because, um, basically leadership is probably not doing the best job of, of figuring out what the tech was used for and just kind of throwing tech at the problem at, at a problem they thought they were having and not really developing in like, or diving into like, what's the problem we have and how can we solve it with, uh, with technology. Um, so, and with the army, it's, I think it's completely different. Like I was, I was kind of, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to the army or not. Cause I feel like it's going to be uh pretty hardcore, but, uh, Actually, I mean, they're really data is driving the process and we are really uh, buttoning down on doing things the right way and not going in and saying, here's all this technology, use it. No, no, what problems do you have? And then what can we do to solve those problems? So I haven't really seen a lot of like old heads in the army, like pushing back against what we're doing. Um, recently, we gave a bunch of sleep trackers out and it was actually a really big hit amongst all the population, like young, old. It was like, it was pretty cool. So it's, it seems that it's like kind of like two fronts and it's, it seems one, it's a lot of trial and error, right? Like I'm going to try to introduce this technology to try to solve your problem. And hopefully by me introducing this technology and solving your problem, it's allowing us to get the overall result that the higher end people want. And then, you know, the, the second part to that as well is um, one second. 
There we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's super interesting. Um, and or oh, boom, the idea came to my mind now. Um, does it seem like obviously you said Air Force it was a struggle, Army it seems like they're starting to adapt more. So then, do you do you feel like it's then the branches of the different types of military services are there's different ones that are shifting towards more the data driven and and they're kind of leading the way with it versus other ones that are kind of lagging behind because of the leadership. Like, how do you think that dynamic's kind of flowing right now with that? Uh, yeah, so I think um, it's honestly not even the leadership. I think the leadership, like from officer standpoint, are all on board with the technology. It's the it's the enlisted side on the Air Force side that that's that it's kind of hard to get things done, um, and that's mainly because yeah, like you got these like operators um, when I was at the Air Force that didn't have this when they were coming when they were coming up. They didn't have all the sleep trackers. They didn't have heart rate trackers. They didn't have force plates, all this stuff. Um, and then we're, they're like, oh, well, you don't, uh, you don't need that. Cause I didn't need, I didn't use that. I'm like, well, you're broken and you've been broken for the past 10 years because you didn't have this and you thought you just do things your own way. And then mm-hmm. you didn't make it. I mean, obviously it wasn't their fault because they didn't have strength coaches and PTs and OTs and ATs and all this stuff and dietitians and um, psychologists and stuff. So um, that's the struggle, especially where I was at at the candidate course is like, I get it. I get where they're coming from. Like I, I'd probably be the same way if I was them, but. Um, when you're just ingrained in those habits and behaviors for that many years and you don't know anything different. And then all of a sudden new fancy toys or new staff members or people coming in and then, then they say they want to help you. You know, sometimes it could be not that, they, not that you don't want them to help you. It's just, it could be a lot especially if you have, like you mentioned off, you know, let's say six to eight different positions that you now have available, let's say at that base or at the facility. And sometimes it could just be, it could be too much. So that's why it's like understanding both sides of the spectrum, right? Like here's all the people that want to help you. You've been doing this the same way for a long period of time. And it's not obviously working because you're in the shape that you're in now, but then looking from their perspective too, it's just like, you guys are going to have to start super simple because we're not used to having all these services and, and, and luxuries in comparison to before. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start out slow, um, slow roll it. If you bring, I would say one piece of technology at a time at max, if you do two, it's going to be, it's, it's overkill. That's what I was going to ask. So from a technology perspective, like does, does the military get a lot of tech, before athletics or is it the athletics gets, gets a lot of tech and then it goes to the military or like how, did, how does that work like i've heard you know from from other dietitians you know a lot of companies will try out tech in the military sector first to see if it works or if it's effective and then they might try to roll it out into into sports or other places where it could possibly be another market for let's say that company for example like how, how have you seen it works um so i would say sports as well way 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 uh more advanced than what we are in the military like when i was with the astros in in 17 we had nord boards force plates we were looking at hrv like all this stuff and like the military wasn't even close to that then um they might have been doing some at the research level but not at the actually tactical level and making changes so i would say sports as well as well advanced of the military um yeah so almost like they, the military was like, it was in the research process, but like to bring it to the next stage by now having all these practitioners, now you're able to kind of push more of the applied end, maybe because they have the staffing and the individuals in place to be able to 
to push it or like bring up the new tech and, and options that are out there versus if you didn't have those people, you probably weren't going to push it in general. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like when you get with the military, like the inventory process is so, it's so much more stringent than, especially if you're sending things to other units that aren't, that aren't with you. And it's like, just that process alone makes a lot of people hesitant for any type of technology because somebody has to sign up for it and be responsible for it. Mm. And that could ruin their ability to promote. So like that kind of stuff is always an issue. Um, like the company that like, let's say you work for a contracting company, the contracting company doesn't own the technology. Mm. The, the military owns it. So somebody has to be responsible for it. So that's, that's one of the issues with the tech in, in the military. It's not so much so easy, like where they're just a, a team buys tech and then they have it it's a lot more uh, intricate. Yeah. So essentially almost if you're that person putting your name on it or your name on the line or you're investing in it or investing in these staff members and it doesn't pan out for you, then yeah, I, I can see that being a real struggle if you're trying to advance in your, in your position. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to be the guy that brought this huge thing and spent all this money and then it failed because that's not going to probably end well for you. It's not even so much that it fails. It's just like if somebody loses it, then it's, it's, I mean, they, they sign for it. They sign like a form for it, but then like the individual soldiers. Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately it's your responsibility, whoever, like whatever the green sewer is that, that they got the tech uh, most of the time. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, I wish it was more cut and dry, but it's not, it's very complicated. So how do you, how do you introduce the tech into those different practitioners realms right like obviously you said slow play it do like one piece of tech at a time but like is there situations where you know maybe you use just a sleep watch for a certain period of time and that's the only tech you use or if it's strength and conditioning like you're using norboard and a force plate and like three different types of technology all at once like how does that look with introduction and differences based off the type of practitioner you might have utilizing it yeah, that's actually a good point. So, yeah, I think that's fine if you're gonna. If so, my 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 interesting technology is more like wearables. So, with wearables, I would only say introduce one piece, one wearable, at like literally that's it. Just try to find one one wearable that gets like all the stuff you want, um, or most of the stuff you want. Don't try to introduce multiple wearables. That's too much. Uh, but in terms of like force plays and stuff, that's fine. To int- I would say that's fine to introduce. Um, but again, like the problem with all this data is just like data overload and people are just collecting data to collect data. I'm sure yes. and it's just like <laughs> the most annoying thing is when you have six different pieces of technology and everybody wants reports for each piece and you have one data scientist to, to do that. Um, so then it becomes cumbersome for you. Like if you're doing too many pieces of technology and you have to analyze it all and then, and then try to put it out and educate and show how it can be applicable. It's just like now you as a practitioner, let alone everyone else that's probably getting overwhelmed. Like you're, you're in a situation where it's too much for yourself probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely can be the case. Um, I, fortunately I haven't had to deal with uh, that, that type of stuff in the army. So uh, we're, we keep it pretty cut and dry and pretty, pretty easy for right now. But again, like I'm in a new position. I'm the first data scientist at the, at the position I'm in. So it's kind of like just a learning process and figure out kind of how we can implement stuff and, and help these people, um, you know, change behavior and, uh, and live a longer and healthier life. I think I was, I used to be like really interested in the performance side of it. 
but the more I learn and the more I'm in it, the more I really care about the health aspect of it. Yeah. I think, you know, mentioning just using the data and analyzing them, that's something that I think more dietitians are starting to use. Um, you know, one person that comes to mind is Matt Frakes, who's the, L- the director of football at LSU, like fully is, has it integrated now with all the different other staff members or myself, like what I'm trying to do at my current location with smarter base, right. Where it's body comp, weight assessments, meal compliance, right? I'm not just collecting the data to collect it. I'm collecting it and then alerting the athlete or educating the athlete or showing how this is having a direct effect in something. You know, like for example, right now we're, we just finished our season and I took all my information. I'm trying to correlate over right now with our sports medicine staff when it comes to injuries, sickness, illness, and, you know, see if we can find a trend with certain athletes that are doing stuff the right way and is it causing a positive result across the board? Like, are they getting strong? Have they put weight on? Have they gained lean muscle mass? Are they the person that's the most compliant with eating in their supplements versus vice versa? Isn't getting strong, isn't keeping weight on, always injured all the time. And, you know, they're having a, like, they're sick 24 seven because their immune system can't, you know, support or reinforce anything that's trying to come in and attack their body. And, and I think that's helped me a lot because now I can communicate to these other staff members and not only do I see or I, that it's important, but now the whole entire staff can see and then support my message and I can support their message vice versa, because not only am I helping them improve the strength, reducing injuries, but them spreading my message is getting them to get to do my goals. Like, Hey, can you help me get this athlete to come eat breakfast? Hey, can, this kid doesn't hydrate very well leading up to a game day. Like, can you make sure you give him, um, you know, some type of extra electrolytes? Like if I can't get to him right away and like some of those, that communication back and forth, like has started to happen. So now we're working more cohesively as a group with the information that we're getting in real time and actually applying it rather than just sitting there for months and no one's doing nothing with it. Yeah. No, that's good to know. What, uh, what are you guys using to assess body composition? Um, so right now we're doing ISAC testing just because yeah. that's what's currently used in the NBA combine. Um, obviously I, I'd like to, I like to get the DEXA, but that's a whole nother story. And a lot oh, of, yeah, that's so much work, a lot of resources it would cost. I mean, I think for, for, for the benefit for me, if I could do DEXA, not only do you get the body comp, you get the bone mineral density, yep. but you can also do the segmentation from the left and right <laughs> upper limb and lower limbs. So then when you're looking also at biomarkers across the board or past injury risks, there's just so many different factors that you can associate and correlate together um that could be possibly predictive of things that you could try to recommend or suggest to the athlete but then also visually show them like hey your vitamin d is level low hey here's your bone mineral density and then go down the line and then it becomes kind of refutable data like you can't you can't really argue it (laughs) like three or four of these things are showing like a red flag risk factor that if you don't take care of it's like this is going to happen yeah how, and how many athletes do you work with? Uh, currently, I work with thirty-two athletes. Thirty-two, okay. Yeah, that's still it could be a, it could be a lot of dexes. I mean, that's like what? How long yeah, it like ten minutes. Uh, probably more than that. I mean, the ISAC testing I do right now takes about ten to fifteen minutes, but that's of course if they show up on time. Yeah, and you know what kind of conversations are we having in the room? Like while I'm trying to do it at the same time and. I I try to leave a little bit of time to explain, you know, their pre and post results. So, I mean, 
usually it's going to be probably 15 minutes. So you get four guys like an hour or something like that. But we just spread it out for out a week, a couple weeks. You know, we have different levels of guys, you know, draft eligibles, um, our pros, and then our amateur guys. So we'll kind of stagger when we do those, but we'll try to do them three to four times a year. So that way I can, I can look at where they are in their seasons and then see the changes based on the seasons. So then I can provide a kind of a macro level view of, Hey, you feel really great, you know, during your in season or your off season time. And then in the summer, but then, Hey, during the season, like you're not matching, you know, the amount of fuel you need for the amount of activity and energy exponential that you have. And you went down eight pounds this year. So like, here's a part of your year that we're going to have to target on. And if we can target on this and improve this for the following season, then hopefully we can maintain your muscle. We can maintain your weight. And then hopefully that results in some better performance or better sustainability in a variety of directions. And then, you know, like I said before, boom, Hey, you had a couple injuries, you lost weight, you lost muscle. You're probably under fueling. So it all, it all plays off of one another. And then you're just kind of like, you know, tying up all the, the loose ends that may be coming about with it. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's that sounds like you got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to trying to give these guys as much feedback as I can, as much as they're willing to take, and then and trying to explain it in a very simple, easy form. Lots of graphs, lots of colors, lots of very simple things that they can look at and figure it out in a couple of different seconds. Um, you know, you, you got to be able to teach stuff at a very low grade level, no matter what age the person or what age the athlete is or soldier in your case, um, because the simpler, the better. No, absolutely. Are, are you, uh, I, I don't want to turn this into to, to me asking you too much of questions, but with Smartabase, are you actually building in Smartabase or do you have Smartabase built for you? Um, so when I got here, it was built for us. And then my boss um, and one of our sports scientists we had previously did a lot of, a lot of work building stuff out. But literally the first, when I came in last March, it was, what do you want to build out? What do you need? What do you want to look at? Um, and how can we make that happen? So over the year, you know, over the entirety of the year, um, that's allowed me to to build up pretty much my own dashboard graphs that I want, visuals, how I want them to look, how I want to view them. You know, because for me, it's got to be really quick too, right? Like if I put the weight in or I put the body comp in, like I need a quick visual, I need some quick feedback, not only for myself to tell the athlete, but for the athlete to also look at. So that way they can understand what I'm talking about very fast as well. Cause if it's too complicated and there's too many numbers and it's just too much, you know, neither of us are going to be able to, to get that information out, either me get the information out to them or for them to retrieve the information and understand it in a timely manner. Yeah. 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 Show your athletes the data you collect on them. So that exactly what you're doing is exactly what you should be doing. Like you have to show them the data. If you do not show them the data, they will not be bought into the process of collecting the data. And then you're going to get bad data in the first place. So. And and what they're going to do is why do I have to take this survey? Why, why are you collecting this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And then when you could spend two, three minutes while I'm doing it because of this, 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 and this, and it's going to help you because of this. And most athletes are going to go, Oh, all right. <laughs> like he's got something behind it. You're only going to have your couple of guys that aren't going to carry either way, but for the most part, they're receptive to at least some of the stuff that you might discuss with them. If it's not all of it. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned obviously wearables. So are you, are you testing like sleep wearables or. Um, 
yeah so currently um using sleep wearables i don't want i don't want to say the the brand of the what i'm using but um that's something that i'm super interested in i think that the military in general is interested in because we know especially working with um higher end like operators when i was with the air force um, we know that those guys get pushed to the limit and you and the problem is you there's people are starting their military career in sleep deprivation so whether that be basic training or a school they go to like seer they are literally teaching them like you sleep is for the week or this is how it's been done in the past so then you have a lot of people that are thinking, hey, I got through this SEER course where I was only sleeping two hours a night. I can I can sleep five hours and I'll be fine the rest of their career. And they're breaking down, they're getting injured, they're, um, you know, they're suicide. Um, obviously, sleep helps with PTSD. So like, yeah, tracking sleep and, and kind of what we're doing is, is uh, the process is really getting down to the nitty gritty of like, inventorying the inventorying all the tech which is like a thing that people don't think about um which is always a process where you have to if you especially you have to maintain accountability in the military of everything if you if you lose it somebody's going to pay for it and uh again that could lose promotions and stuff like that but then we get into distribute distribution of the technology um and then breaking down into hey like like, well, the first, I guess I'm going to go back a little bit. The first thing you do before you even get go technology, you have to figure out what problem you have. You can't, you can't expect technology to find the problem for you. Mm-hmm. Like with the military, we know that there's, that sleep's an issue. So we want to objectively measure that. And so when we get that information, then the goal is to now um, show the groups, like what the averages are for the group. And then we want to educate them. So the biggest thing we're pushing now is we got all the, we got all the stuff out that we wanted to get out. And now we're we're developing education curriculum to send that out and consistently push that through emails, um, through other other means of education, and then have like group discussions. When I see people in the halls, at, the, at where I'm at, I will literally go and talk to them. Hey, everything's going with with your with your tech. You know, um, are you making any behavioral changes? We know for a fact, like behavioral changes are literally the most important thing you can possibly do in terms of uh, like making something better. Yeah especially sleep. Um, and I'm sure like nutrition is also a, b- a big thing, but uh, behavioral changes such as like, you know, what what time do you go to bed at this time every night? Do you not drink alcohol before bed? Um, do you wake up the same time every day? Do you sleep in like 65 to 68 degrees? Uh, stuff like that. You know, just giving them small little tidbits. And luckily I have a sleep program manager that I work with. He's awesome. He's actually about to retire. So I'm really disappointed. I'm going to lose him. Um, but uh yeah, with the tech, I uh, I really obviously you can tell that I really care about sleep. Uh, that's really. <laughs> I mean, really I, me. I always say sleep. Sleep is the cheat code, right? Like yeah. even before I talk about hydration, before I talk about eating, a lot of times I talk to my athletes about sleep first because honestly, what you do the night before is directly going to have an impact to determine everything you're going to do the next day. Yep. Whether it's your appetite your energy levels, your mood, if those are all affected, that's going to affect whether you choose or make the decision to eat breakfast, to get up to eat breakfast, right? If you don't eat breakfast, right? Typically what's probably going to happen now is you might eat lunch or most of your foods give me the tail of the day. And now we, we deal with the issue of backwards fueling and all your fueling is, is, is positioned at the end of your day instead of throughout your day. 
Um, you know, and I just had this conversation with, you know, an athlete who just connected back with me, um, who I had worked with when I was at my last facility, um, three years ago and just contacted me out of the blue. And again, one of the first things we talked about was his sleep. Like he's getting less than six hours of sleep. He had, you know, a whole rash of injuries the last, you know, two to three years of his college career. And, you know, when you put all the pieces together, I'm like, it makes sense why you're hurt and injured all the time and you feel terrible, you know, like it's just, it's all right there. <laughs> here, here it is. You're not doing X, Y, and Z and it's causing all these things to to pop up and happen. Um, and sometimes whether it's a soldier or whether it's an athlete, they just, they can't see it because, you know, I think like you mentioned before, like you're just in that loop and they don't, and if you don't have someone interject during that time to, get them to redirect out of that loop to have a different thought process, then that becomes all you know and what you go to every time. And that's not their fault. They just don't have the support staff sometimes to redirect them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that you kind of brought in nutrition to that because that was that actually kind of like lit a light bulb in my head. So yeah, if you're obviously eating later in the day, if you're getting most of your food later in the day, closer to bedtime, you're also then you're going to affect your sleep that way as well. Um, so it's yeah. Happens all the that's time. So good. You don't guys, if you sleep, you're gonna get you're gonna get uh you're gonna eat breakfast. So that's, that's yeah. Really guys will want to shove food in at 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then my stomach hurts and I don't feel good. And then you ate all this food super late at night, so then you're not hungry, you don't want to eat in the morning. It's just I mean, it's just the same. When you, when you talk to athletes over and over, it's the same things over and over and over. And it's just, how can you find a way to twist it to show that it's not benefiting them when they've been doing it for years? Like that's, that's the toughest part is, is to break them out of, of a habit that they've been just doing. And they don't know anything different. Yeah. That's why you're there, man. Cause you, cause, and obviously you're doing a great job. Like, I think it's awesome that you're actually looking at um, the data in smarter base and pulling in the right stuff you want to see and then educating them on it. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole point of the process is to educate those guys to make them, you know, change and uh, be better. And that comes with, you know, direct collaboration with, especially whether it's a mental coach, whether it's sports, you know, sports psychology, because I, mean, I feel like ours go hand in hand too. Like the more you can have, you, you know, these things are starting to pop up with their sleep and it's affecting their mood and you're expecting their performance. Like that falls right in the sports psych. And a lot of times, like before the strength coach, the data scientist, the dietitian, before we can make changes, if if the thought process up here from a psychology perspective or a mental perspective isn't in the right place to be ready to want to make those changes, there's only so much we, we're going to be able to do. So it just, you can just see so much overlay across the board, how everybody can interact with each other, how everyone's jobs affects each other to then hopefully help provide that 360 degrees of care, you know, for the athlete. Yeah. The holistic view of, of health is uh very important. I like that 360 degrees. That's good. Yeah. I've got to get away from silos. There's, there's too many of those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so to kind of finish things off, uh, could you give us one or two people that you recommend, uh, whether it's someone, you know, whether it's something on social media, um, that the viewer should go and listen to or read or listen to their podcast like right now. And they're going to instantly gain something from that. Um, 
I honestly don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and a lot of my friends don't do podcasts, but somebody, um, if you follow JD Mata on LinkedIn, he's one of my best friends and he's an exercise physiologist for Air Force Special Warfare Wing. That dude is smart. Right? <laughs> he, he talks, the, he walks the walk, he talks the talk, he lifts, he, he, he sleeps well, he eats right. Like that dude is an animal and he is, he's going to be something really big in the future. Um, I haven't heard him on any podcasts. I don't think he's done any, but uh, he's kind of a quiet guy, but he's awesome. Um, yeah. Just follow him on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, he's, he's awesome. And then uh, another person uh, that I really like is, uh, is my boss. Um, I don't know if I can say it. I'm not going to say my boss's name because I don't know if I can or not, but uh, another guy I worked with in the past is Jason Ralia. Mm-hmm. He is the, uh, he's a strength coach at um, the 351st, which is where the PJs and the Crows train. Um, he's also awesome dude, um, super smart guy. And he will also be something really special in the future. Um, those are the two main guys that I uh, would recommend people reach out to. It's just, it's, around, uh, it's just around the corner. You never, you never know when it's going to be their time and their life's going to shine. You don't know. Also one more person, Zach Kinninger, who's the, who's the GS 12 at, uh, at, the special warfare candidate course. He's awesome too. Great. Really appreciate all those recommendations guys. Definitely check those out. Um, how can anyone, how can anyone reach you? What's the best way to reach you? If someone wants to have a conversation like this with you, um, you can reach me by my email. It's just Jacob dot B E H A R A at gmail.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I don't Twitter, but I have IG um, data underscore directed is my ig awesome appreciate you taking the time today jacob um lots of great nuggets and information in there and hope you guys enjoy and everyone have an awesome day see ya thanks